0: Welcome to the Almost Enlightened Podcast, a show about whatever I want. I'm your host, Alex Morin, and today what I want to do is to talk about a necklace. A necklace? Yes, a necklace. But before I do that, I've got a few thank yous to make. Thank you to my guests, Nikki Simmons and Tom Zamzo, from last week's episode entitled Going Higher. I've had tons of great feedback on that episode and I'll encourage you to check out their show, The Higher* with an exclamation point career podcast. I know you're going to love it. Also, I'd like to thank all of you for your continued support and energy. I've lost track of just how many countries are tuning in these days, but I am so grateful that you take the time to engage with me. And I want you to know that this journey wouldn't be nearly as much fun if you weren't on it with me. So thank you. All right, let's talk about necklaces. My wife made me a new necklace this past weekend. That is to say that she took an existing necklace that I've had for some 25 years and reinvented it. And although that's the nucleus of this story, that's not exactly what I want to talk about today. You see, I'd like to spend some time examining judgment and expression today. But first, let me tell you a little bit about this necklace of mine. Many years ago, and I don't recall exactly when, I believe that my mom gave me a crystal necklace. I say I believe because I don't really have any memory of her giving it to me, but I don't know who the heck else would have given it to me if not for her. It was a pretty simple necklace consisting of one pretty big clear quartz crystal hanging on a thin leather rope. I wore it occasionally and even brought it with me on my first significant world travels when I traveled to Fiji, New Zealand, and Australia for a year. I don't think I wore it all that often on the trip, but it always had a spiritual meaning to me. So when I made my way to Uluru, also known as Ayers Rock, which is the massive sandstone monolith in the middle of the Northern Territory's beautiful desert, I wore it on my ascent of the rock. Somewhere, I have a picture of me up there as a young 20-year-old, and if I can find it, I'll use it as the cover artwork for this episode. I think that the necklace features prominently in the picture, if I can recall correctly. The reason I tell you about the necklace and its place in Australia is because I felt that its spiritual properties were meant to connect with Uluru when I was there. After that experience, I don't think I wore the necklace again for the next 15 years or so. Now, occasionally I would dig it out, I'd wear it for a day, and then I'd put it away again. That is, until my wife began creating crystal jewelry about a year ago. You see, I was inspired by what she was doing, and I began to learn things about crystals that fascinated me. So I dug out my crystal pendant necklace, and I began wearing it from time to time. A couple of months ago, Sarah said that she'd like to remake the necklace if I was up to it. She offered to take the crystal pendant off of my original leather rope and create some kind of necklace with more crystals and some cool colors. Now, I thought that was a pretty neat idea, so I agreed. As the weeks went by, I began to forget about her offer until she made some time this past weekend to dig into the project. Here's where it gets really fun. Sarah asked me what I'd like the necklace to look like. I told her that it might be interesting to incorporate the colors of the chakras into the new necklace, and she too thought that would be a pretty cool idea. I don't know the corresponding colors of the chakras by heart, so I asked her, Hey, is white one of the colors? To which she responded, Uh, no. Darn it! Because I had this idea of using three colors of the chakras on each side of the pendant for a total of seven chakras, with the clear crystal in the center representing one of the seven chakras. But that wasn't going to work because A, white isn't a chakra color, and B, I was hoping that white would perhaps be the crown chakra so that it could be the pièce de résistance. But no luck there. And even if I'd gotten the crown chakra color right, being in the middle of the other chakra crystals wouldn't be the correct location for the crown chakra jewel. So I began to channel my energy by using my imagination. The thought of textured black stones came to mind, with some beautiful blues and whites that represent my love of water and clarity. So Sarah did a quick mock-up for me, Mm, but it wasn't quite singing. It was beautiful, that's for sure, but it wasn't quite right. She then took it upon herself to build two symmetrical sides of a necklace, balancing all seven chakras on each side, still using the crystal pendant as the centerpiece. And holy smokes, did it look awesome. Why hadn't I considered that? Well, probably because she's the expert, and that's what she does for a living these days. But it still needed a little more Alex, I thought. How about some silver accents to represent clarity and purity? And what can we do about the black beads? Can we give them some character? Well, we ended up settling on a custom black agate crystal that has a tone on tone Sanskrit mantra decorated on it. Each bead says, Om Padme Mani Hum, which roughly translates to, The jewel is in the lotus. As I've mentioned in a previous episode, episode 34, to be precise, entitled Watch Your Language, Sanskrit is not entirely translatable into modern English, because the language itself has several nuances that just don't exist in ours. But I'm going to give it a shot anyway, because that's what I do. Om is meant to be the primordial sound of all creation, And just to let you know, all of this info can be found on the beautiful website Yogapedia if you're interested in pursuing it further. Mani is, of course, a two-syllable word whereby the first syllable, ma, relates to the dissolution of jealousy, while the second syllable, ni, is associated with the intent to remove attachment to desire and passion in the spirit of cultivating patience within ourselves and others. Now, the two syllables put together, mani, mean jewel. The first syllable of the next word, padme, so pad, is meant to dissolve attachment to prejudices and judgment, which ironically is fascinating because this very necklace taught me a valuable lesson about judgment just two days ago, and we are going to absolutely discuss that in just a couple of minutes. The second syllable, me, dissolves our attachment to being possessive, but at the same time cultivates concentration. Put together, pad and me, padme, means lotus, which is the representation of wisdom. And then lastly, the hum syllable lessens our attachment to aggression and hatred. Hum also refers to that which cannot be disturbed by anything. And I could definitely use some of that in my life, couldn't you? Now, apologies for the detour, but I absolutely had to share because these particular agate beads have a meaning and a spirit that transcend the actual necklace itself, and it's an important part of today's episode. After some toying around and the incorporation of some silver beads, it was obvious to me that Sarah had created a work of art and it was something special. She proceeded to put it all together, finish it off for me, and then put it around my neck. I knew instantly that there was a power in this necklace. Which brings me to the main point of discussion today. At first... I wanted to reject the notion that my new necklace had power. Though I've never practiced any formal religion, I've read the Bible and remember several instances of teachings about worshiping false idols. Plus, it's always been my implacable belief that I am it. I need nothing other than myself in order to be a creator. No necklace, no bracelets, no tattoos— just me but i let those thoughts hang and ended up coming back to them later that evening later that evening as i marveled at the sight of my new necklace in the mirror while brushing my teeth i had a thought this necklace is my tattoo you see i don't have any tattoos although i've always liked them i just never felt that i wanted one on my body especially permanently But then I got to thinking that there can't be too many people who have ever gotten a tattoo without giving it some serious thought. And even if one's thoughts and ideals evolve over the years, a tattoo is a symbol of thought at a particular moment in time. A tattoo is a symbol of thought at a particular moment in time. Really, it's where you were back then. Heck, it may even still be central to how you think today. And a funny thing happened as these thoughts went through my mind. I discovered that after all these years, I'd been judging people. When in fact, I'm no different than someone with, say, a tattoo on their face. And this was the big revelation. You can give away your power to a necklace. You can give it away to a valued object. You can give it away to a tattoo or whatever object or thought you have. Or, in big capital letters, O-R, all of these things can simply be seen as a form of beautiful expression. If you choose to do that, that is, value the way you express yourself, then all of a sudden, one's propensity to judge begins to fade away because there's nothing to judge when you're dealing with an expression of the essence of who you are. I want to repeat that because I find it so profound. One's propensity to judge begins to fade away because there's nothing to judge when you're dealing with an expression of the essence of who you are. And the reason for that is because it's pure. It's not an attachment. Rather, it's an expression. So here's the funny thing. Really quickly, I turned my attention to the backyard and I started looking at everything in my backyard. It was really easy to see the trees as expressions of nature, the leaves as expressions of the trees, the stonework in my backyard as expressions of earth, and then the positioning of those stones as the expression of an artist. In fact, everything could be seen as an expression. So then I turned my eyes to something a little more challenging. I looked at the diving board at the deep end of my pool. I imagined its fiberglass construction, probably made up of things that are harmful to the environment. As I focused on it, I began to see it in a different light. I began to value it for what it is. And that is as a fun, recreational, material thing that's a product of its time and a product of my level of awareness. If I ever move to another house and put a pool in, would I get the same diving board? And the answer is no, I probably wouldn't. I'd want something that's a little more eco-friendly. Heck, maybe I'd even reconsider the pool knowing what I now know about some of the chemicals that go into it. But essentially, I was coming to terms with all forms of expression, whether they represent good or evil to me. And it was a really, really cool moment. I looked down at my new necklace and I said, I really did say this, thank you. Thank you for teaching me about judgment and expression. Interestingly, who I was really thanking was myself, who is, in fact, simply the expression of the energy that manifests into this dude named Alex, and who ultimately ended up manifesting the necklace. Let's distill that even a tiny bit further. At that moment, I was consciousness thanking itself, which is to simply be itself. And whoa, what a realization. What I've been trying to say, hopefully in a way that comes across effectively, is that we sure place a lot of energy in material things, don't we? Only yesterday morning, one of my teens must have dropped their phone and cracked the glass on the back of the phone. There was a bit of an eruption. That child lost their marbles. Every bit of their energy was lost to a device that's no bigger than a piece of toast. Imagine that. Actually, you probably don't have to, because if you're human, you've probably lost your marbles too, breaking or losing something of value. But in the scheme of things, you always have a choice in terms of where you're going to derive your power. Will it be from within? Or will you give it away? Will you give away your power to something that isn't you? I think this is what it truly means to worship a false idol. When we give our power to something other than ourselves, we are, in essence, worshiping a false idol. Through consciousness, you and I are connected to God consciousness. All you have to do is eliminate the chatter in your mind in order to connect to it. It's right there, and it has always been there. It's within you, and in fact, it is you. It's got many names, including beingness, knowingness, brahman, oneness, and so on. So when you stop honoring yourself and you give your energy to a material object that you disassociate from yourself, you're no longer in touch or in your own energy. And this begs the question... How do we control our own energy? One of the ways you can quickly regain your power and get in touch with true consciousness is to drop all judgment and simply see objects and thoughts as expressions. Everything in the material world, and I truly mean everything, is simply an expression. No more and no less. Some of those expressions you're bound to see as beautiful, while others may disgust you. Know that they are a product of awareness. Some levels of awareness are extremely advanced, while others just aren't. And I've I've really used the wrong word there, and I, I've been struggling all day to find the right word when I said some levels of awareness are extremely advanced, while others just aren't. And it seems to me that the right word is... Vibration. So let me go on a bit of a detour here for a second. Levels of awareness are like vibrations, and we each have our unique level of awareness, which means that we each have our unique vibration. And so A material object has its own vibration as well, and those that match your vibration are the ones that you're going to find beautiful, while ones that have a completely different vibration you might find ugly or you might find exceedingly beautiful, but they're different than your vibration. So I think that's what I was talking about when I said some levels of awareness are extremely advanced while others just aren't. They're just different. And it's not to say that one's good and one's bad. They're just different levels of awareness. I wanted to make that clear, and I hope I did. So the trick is to be tolerant and observe without judgment. And this is certainly easier said than done. However, with practice, it gets easier every day to the point where you lessen your emotional attachment to things that habitually bother you. If you're wondering how to do this, I have found that practicing meditation is a wonderful way to practice the art of letting go of the mind which leads to a connection with consciousness, which is a connection to your essence. Through meditation, dropping the mind becomes a decision, and that decision can be applied even when you're not in what I'll call a traditional meditation. In other words, you can make that decision in your everyday life, like your waking life. It's like anything you practice in your mind, if you do it enough times, you can then apply what you've been practicing in your mind, and now you can do it in the physical world. Top athletes and artists do this all the time, and in fact, so do you, except that you may be rehearsing negative exercises in your mind, which is contributing to the negativity that translates to your perception of the physical world. Interesting, isn't it? This manifestation of the necklace has taught me a few things over the course of the last couple of days, and it's consistent with my belief that there are lessons to be learned wherever you focus your attention. I'm just still a bit surprised that a material object has struck me to the degree that this necklace has. Just last week, I'd have probably preached to you that you don't need a single thing in order to learn. And while I still believe that, I've broadened my viewpoint so that I may appreciate more expression and find enlightenment in all things. I think that this newfound perspective may make my life a little more colorful and a little more inspiring, kind of like walking into a library. Opening one's eyes to the infinitude of expressions or the seemingly infinite number of books in a huge library is nothing but boundless possibility endless lessons, newfound wisdom, and awareness to be unlocked. So, seemingly good, bad, or ugly, I'm a little more likely these days to judge a little less and simply see or perceive what I visualize as nothing other than a form of expression, neither good or bad, just simply as it is, which is the materialization of energy. And when it comes to that library, let's not forget that all of those books require something special in order to bring the expression of writing to life. They require awareness. They require you. Because without you, a book is just a book. The meaning only comes to life when you give it your awareness. Om Manipadme Om The jewel is in the lotus. You are the lotus flower, and all of the wisdom and treasures are folded within you. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you feel called to explore Sarah's expression, please check out her Instagram page at familyfirsthealth.com wellness. All one word. That's a mouthful, I know. You'll be able to see the necklace somewhere in her feed. And hey, thanks again, and always know that I appreciate you.